a long time yesterday at our uh, men's breakfast, and he was talking about how many, many, many people have brought stuff to the police station, and his and all of them, and, and you know, food and, and gifts and bottles of water and all kinds of stuff. He said, just, just letting the police know that uh, they have their back. He said, that's very good. It's very important. It's, it's, it's necessary. He said, but going down to City Hall is more important. Doing that means more to the police than, um, than the, the support, like, at the office, that kind of thing. So, so little things like that. There is a necessity, I think, to getting involved, um, but definitely pray. I think that's the uh, most important thing that's going on. So with everything that is on the horizon, um, and again, I, I've, I've talked about this off and on, but I'm going to keep reminding of this stuff. I believe in the next few weeks, we're going to start seeing another ramp up to something. And uh, this, this next thing, I believe it has, it's going to have to do financially. I think there's going to be a financial thing that's going to go on. And I, and I don't know. Now, this part, I, I'm guessing, I really believe strongly what I just said. I believe that God's putting that in my heart. The next part, I don't know, is just me kind of guessing. I think it probably will have to do somehow with the stimuluses and stuff like that. That, uh, that I don't know, but I believe that we are about to see another major um, horrendous push in our country to... Now, again, it, it, there's going to be political stuff. There's going to be um, health stuff. There's going to be people stuff, violence, things that are on our horizon. But, but remember, at the end of the day, this is demonic. This is Satan doing this. This is not... There's only so much that we're going to be able to understand when we only point at people, and when we only point at, at pol- uh, politicians and, and government entities and things like that. And guys, this is demonic. It is, Satan is trying to control us. And this is why I believe it is so important. This is why I'm speaking what I'm speaking. When I finish this series, I'm going to start a series on um, the rapture, the, um, the last feast that has not been uh, fulfilled by Jesus yet, and um, and the um, well, there's two other elements, but they all they all work together. Okay, there'll be some stuff I'm going to talk a little bit about, kind of the one world government stuff and some of that things. So, so we know this stuff is mentioned in Scripture. We know this is strongly, strongly mentioned in Scripture over and over. And so I'm going to I'm going to try to show us how. All these, there's three or four, the marriage supper of the Lamb, how all of this stuff is tied together and how it all um, is quickly on our horizon, I believe. <clears throat> and so I'll explain all that then because I don't want to get started talking about it now. But uh, we, we are in a very um, precarious place in our country right now, and I believe that Satan is setting all of this stuff up. And here's the biggest thing. This is why I'm speaking this stuff. This is why I'm, I've been talking about this. This is why I'm saying the stuff that I am is because the, the people of America are buying into whatever is being handed to them right now. Now, this is important. The church is overtly complicit with this. This is, I'm having conversations all the time with pastors and church people, and, uh, and it's amazing how many church people are not necessarily buying into this, but how many pastors are. Um, in fact, I had a couple conversations this week with pastors that they were, they were irritated with me because I'm not social distancing and masks and everything else. Well, how are you keeping your people separate? And I keep telling them, every, I've said this to 20 pastors in the last three weeks. This is our foundation. This is my foundation. They are grown adults 
They can do what they want. Who am I to go around telling you people to wear a mask? And then these pastors are telling me, well, we make sure that they wear masks in our church. And we even guilt them a little bit from the pulpit. If you're not wearing a mask, and, and I, I didn't say, I, I really did, I, I did very good. I didn't say anything. I said, what I wanted to say, that's why they're going to other churches. Pay attention. You're going to tell people they have to wear a mask. You're going to tell people they have to do this stuff. Let me just, we'll do this with a raise of hands. How many of you, if you go up to a business, say, say you cannot come in without a mask, how many of you will go to a different business? Exactly. Exactly. And, and, we're doing, and we're going to do this with churches, too. We're getting enough of this stupidity from the world who doesn't have the Holy Spirit and doesn't know who Jesus is. Why would we get it and take it from the church? It doesn't make sense. But these guys can't see it. Now, here's the thing that's concerning me is <clears throat> the body of Christ that's buying into all of this stuff. This is anecdotal. This is just me watching and seeing the stuff that's going on. The, the farther you get from a spirit-led, Pentecostal, charismatic mindset, the more they're buying into the stuff. That is not coincidental. You, can, you say, well, how do you know this? Just go online and do this. Just start Googling churches, church groups, denominations, and things like that, and see what their stances are. Denominations. You know, Lutheran, Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, whatever. The, the more you get into evangelical Pure evangelical, not term evangelical, but churches that really believe in winning the lost. And then you go more into um, the Pentecostal charismatic groups. They become less and less um, uh, enamored by what the world is trying to tell us right now. Now, why? Because we're doing the best we can to try to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because at the end times... The only way you're going to get to where you need to be is listening to the Holy Spirit. Not, not all the other stuff. You're going to have to listen to the Holy Spirit. I talked about this a few weeks ago, and I spent a little time on Wednesday night <clears throat> talking about this. The only way the church is going to have any idea that the Antichrist is the Antichrist is because of the Holy Spirit speaking to them. Not because of all of the, the things that we see. <clears throat> the Antichrist is going to be the guy. He's going to be amazing. He's going to be awesome. He's going to be wonderful. All kinds of stuff. Scripture explains all that. The only way you're going to be able to know he's the Antichrist is the Holy Spirit is going to tell you. That's the same thing. The only way you're going to get navigate through this stuff that we're doing right now is the Holy Spirit. The next wave is coming. The next wave is coming, and it's coming soon. And when it does, a lot of the church is going to be caught up in it. Why? Because we're not listening to God. We're listening to ourselves. We're listening to the media. We're listening to all the, the verbiage out there. and whatever, whatever trash they throw into the air, we just run and grab it. We've got to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? You pray in the Spirit. You need to be doing that regularly right now. Praying in the Spirit. Your daily prayer time needs to be in the Spirit. You need to be praying in tongues. You need to be praying Scripture. Because that's how you're going to know. You're not going to know any other way. That's, that's why there is a, a, a separation that we're starting to see major separations throughout our country. And I think, 
I, I, I keep coming up to this, and I haven't just overtly said this except to just a few people. But guys, I believe very strongly that we need to pray for President Trump. Now, we always need to do that, okay? We always need to. But I believe that we need to pray because I think his life is in danger. I, I'm, I, I'm not going to overpush that, but I think his life is in danger between now and the election to the point where the evil groups out there that are doing their stuff, okay? Epstein didn't kill himself. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Epstein didn't kill himself. Everybody in this country knows that guy was took, taken into a federal prison and, and, and people under the authority of government officials walked in there and murdered that man. We all know it, but because our country is what it is, we can do nothing about it. We all know it, but we are so corrupt, we can do nothing about it. His girlfriend that just got arrested is probably about to throw herself off a curb and suicide. We, we need to know that there is evil, and that evil will try to destroy and control. And this is, this is where we're, we're going with all this stuff in Revelation, looking at these churches. Uh, you know, California is trying to get um, all churches will not be able to sing. You guys been paying attention to that? They will not be able to sing in churches. Now, here's the deal. They will be fine. There are repercussions for this. They'll be fined if they sing in churches. Does anybody else see that this is Satan doing this? You, do you really think the government is saying, you know what our big danger is right now? The old rugged cross. When people see that, that is the danger. But it's not because of the words coming out of the mouth. It's because of the truth in people's spirit. They're, they're not going to be allowed to sing. That's just Satan doing whatever he can to try anywhere he can to get a little more demonic control. And we've got politicians that are going, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, that's a good idea. We should stop the singing in churches. Now, here's the thing. Where else are they stopping the singing? Nightclubs, bars, coffee shops? No, churches. Guys, this is demonic. This is demonic. And Satan is trying to convince. And here's the thing. Do not buy into it. I've been saying this from the beginning, and it's amazing to me how many people, how many churches. I'm saying Christians. I expect this stuff from the world. I expect it from them. But not Christians. If you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you need to be rejecting this stuff. This is, this is demonic. Matthew chapter 6, verse 18. Now I say to you that you're Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Again, this is vitally important. We are not trying to, and I believe it's the responsibility of the church, to not try to build your local church. You're supposed to be building the kingdom of God. You say, well, isn't that the responsibility of all churches? Guys, when you make decisions, when churches make decisions, they're making decisions showing their, their trajectory. They're making decisions showing what they really believe at the end of the day. What are they really trying to build? What are they really trying to accomplish? In 1991, I read a book. My pastor gave it to me. I was his youth pastor. 
And, um, and it had to do with the, the kingdom. I think the name of the book was The Kingdom of Self. But it had to do with building the kingdom. Are we building a kingdom that is our kingdom, or are we building something else? What are we building? Now, he was talk- this book was about personally, but it addressed the church a little bit. But it was mostly on a personal level. What are you trying to build? Are you building your kingdom, or are you building God's kingdom? Are you doing that with your marriage, your family, your finances, or whatever? Are you building your kingdom? There's tons of scriptures about this. What about the guy that builds the barns and says, look what I've done? And Jesus said, okay, but tonight you're dying. Right? Are you building your kingdom? Are you building God's kingdom? We, we have been trained for so long in this country to build our kingdom. It is very difficult to, to disseminate between what building our kingdom and what building God's kingdom is. It is very difficult for us to do that. It is so wrapped up in our culture. And here's where I go with it, and so I want to push this off onto you, is the moment I start thinking, no, I'm really building God's kingdom. Be careful, because it is so ingrained in our culture to build our own kingdom that we really struggle even seeing the truth of that. For it breaking through and and. And, and getting. Here's some things that I use, so you can use these too. Here's some things that I use that help me understand or help me analyze um, what kingdom I'm building. <clears throat> I used to say, look in your checkbook, but nobody, nobody keeps checkbook registers nowadays. Um, I, I do. I'm adamant about it. I think if you don't keep a checkbook register, how do you know? Okay, let me, let me help you out. Um, how many of you guys have a bank account? Who has a bank account? Rob, how do you know what's in your bank account? You look on your phone. That is the answer. How do you know the bank? Okay, so I balance my checkbook every month. I know when the bank has mischarged or somebody else has mischarged. You know how common it is for restaurants, somebody, the waiter or waitress, add a buck or two on the tip and not tell you? That happens more than it doesn't. But you don't know, Rob, because you're just looking at your balance on your phone. I say this to my children all the time. So here's how we used to do it. You look at checkbook register, and you'll know what kingdom you're building. Look at your credit card statements. You'll know what build, the kingdom you're building. Is there, is there anything financially going to missions? Ask yourself that. Do you, do you support missionary? Do you support, let me say that differently. Do you support people getting saved somewhere else on the planet? Because that's kingdom building. Do, 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 is the lost somewhere f- play out in your finances? Because that's kingdom building. If they don't, you're going to be hard-pressed to be able to convince anybody, including Jesus, that you really are about this. Oh, I'm about the lost. What do you do about that? What are you doing about that? No, I believe in people getting saved. Okay, well, what are you doing about it? Well, I, I, it's my heart, really. I want people to know Jesus. What are you doing about it? Not what you're saying about it, but what are you doing about it? Because that's the kingdom you're building, right? Jesus says, when this comes down to it, he's going to build the church. And hell cannot prevail against the church Jesus builds. But just because we go to a church doesn't mean that church is the church that Jesus is building. A local church is not necessarily part of the kingdom of God. Now, these churches in Revelation, he starts out by saying that the, the, the Spirit of God is within these churches. And this is very important when we get to this church this morning. 
And, and part of the reason we know that is because he specifically reiterates what he says earlier in, um, in chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. He reiterates this and explains that, that this is, well, let's read it. So Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. Write this later letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. And look what he says. This is the message from, it's, it's from Jesus. We know that. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. He is reiterating what he says earlier when he begins to describe these churches in the very beginning. And what he is saying is his spirit is within these churches. That's how you know that the church belongs to Jesus is because his spirit is there, not just because he put a name over the door that says church. This is important. Just because we get together and say we are a church doesn't mean Jesus has got our back. You know, the scripture that gets you so much out of context, where two or more are gathered in his name, there will he be also, right? We, we always just assume that if two Christians are together, Jesus is with them. But that's not what it says. It says if they're gathered in his name, then he's with them. In his name. Not just getting together and talking about him or singing about him. You've got to be in his name, under his authority. He's got to be in charge of you. Which means that somewhere this list of churches in Revelation have to be part of the priority of who we're supposed to be. Because that's how he says you're going to have his spirit with him. Is if you look like these churches and, well, the descriptors that he's giving. The changes that he's trying to get them to make. Then the spirit of God is with you. Okay, so he's saying this church still has his spirit with them. But then the next sentence, the next few sentences seem to completely disagree with that. Right. But but we're going to get down to this in a little bit, because there's a reason why his spirit is still at these church with this church. He says, I know all the things that you do, that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. That doesn't sound like a church that his spirit is with. We'll get to why. Okay? He says, but you're dead. Guys, I, I, don't, I, don't, ever, I don't ever want to get to that place. I, I've, I've said this a handful of times over the years, that there are certain things that bother me, keep me up at night, kind of things uh, in who I am as a pastor. The, the number one thing is, Jesus, I want you to be about this place. And if you're not, I don't want to be involved. I don't want to be leading people away from you. I don't want to be leading people in some kind of dead, dry bones, valley kind of mentality. I want you to be in charge or, or let's shut the doors and let somebody else do this. We need to be who you want us to be. I don't want to get, stand before Jesus and him say, well, you, you had all the stuff, but man, I wasn't there. You know, the same thing that he says, well, didn't we cast out demons, your name? And he said, yeah, but I don't know you. You've done all this stuff because the name of Jesus has authority, but I don't know you. I, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. And I don't want anybody that I have any influence over at all to fall into that trap and be that guy too. I want you to be alive. I want to be alive. And we've got to be heading the direction that Jesus wants us to go. He says, you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. What would be the reputation? And we understand that that means um, the way people perceive your church, right? People perceive your church as being alive, but it's dead. Reputation, people perceiving it. 
it seems like that's a good place. Is I don't want to go down this road too much because there's no way we can do this without being critical. But is there any churches you've ever seen that would be really strong, popular churches, but be dead? Think about what I'm saying. This, this is becoming more and more common, and part of the reason that we're, that we're hearing it verbalized right now is because uh, we're pushing Colorado strongly right now to, um, to uh, get legislation that makes late-term abortions illegal again. And it's amazing how many churches are, are getting, staying out of the discussion, out of the debate, and will not even let you sign petitions at their church about this because, and this is their statement, I quote, because we don't really do politics. Now, they have a reputation of being alive. But guys, how can a church not stand against abortion? How can they not stand against abortion and still consider themselves followers of God? Now, I know that some people are deceived. I get that. So it's the, you, you know, the, you know the, the most deceived group of people that are involved in the abortion context is the young girls that are caught up in this. They're being manipulated and played by so many different groups of people. And the church is not standing up for what's right, so they have no voice, um, loud voice shouting to help them uh, pull back from some of these decisions. Part of the reason I know this, this isn't anecdotal, this is many conversations I've had with women over the years that have had abortions when they were 16 or 17. And, and then the rest of their life is in condemnation because of this, when the people in their, in their world at that time didn't even give the right voice. Nobody was saying, don't do this. This is going to hurt you. This is going to hurt you forever. Don't do this. That should be the church. You have a reputation for being alive. But something inside of you that should be resisting the murder of babies died. You have a reputation for being alive. But something died you're a dead church. Guys, this is, this, is, this is the descriptor he's given us, and this is why we have to go to this scripture to say, Lord, what kind of church do you want us to be? We need to be the church you've called us to be. This is what he says, and this is huge. Wake up. You know what that tells me? There's still time. If he's, if he's telling this church, wake up, it's because he's not done with them yet. There's, there's a great song I've been listening to a lot. Um, <clears throat> Um, it's the name of the church is my, uh, the name of the church. The name of the song is my testimony. I think it's by Bethel or something like that, but, um, it's, it's a great song. And there's a, the, the bridge of the song says, if I'm not dead, you're not done. I love that. I, I, I sing that all the time. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Why? Because Jesus has a plan for you. He's given you a second chance. Well, he already gave me one bazillion chances. Yanni's given you a second chance. Guys, this is the way I've always looked at it. This is, this is a great way to process this. This is what grace does. This is what the blood of Jesus does. You come before Jesus and say, Jesus, I did this, this thing. I shouldn't have done it. My, the sin in my heart or whatever. Lord, I repent. And he says, okay, because you've never done this before, I'm going to forgive you, cleanse you. You do it again. You come back to him. Jesus 
I, I messed up. I shouldn't have done this. Please forgive me. He says, because you've never done this before, I'll forgive you. Come back to him the 110th time. Jesus, please forgive me. He says, because you've never done this before, I'm going to forgive you. Why? Because according to Scripture, when he covers you with the blood and forgives you, he puts it as far as the east into the west, never to be remembered again. He doesn't remember you've sinned before. You say, yeah, but he's God, but he has done it this way. He has designed it in such a way that he cannot remember it. I don't understand that. I remember stuff. You wrong me, I'm remembering it. 25 years from now, I'm going to remember it. Right? We do that, right? Jesus doesn't. And he's telling this church, wake up. How many times has he told this church before that? It's irrelevant. He's telling them right now, wake up. Same thing, church in America, pick any country. How long is he going to be patient? According to 2 Peter, he's just going to keep being patient and keep being patient because he doesn't want anybody to perish. And he's going to give you a second chance. Jesus doesn't give you third chances. He gives you a second chance a bazillion times because he's a graceful God. He says, wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. That's a scary sentence. You've got just a tiny little bit left. Wake that up. Wake it up. Let the Spirit of God get within you and wake up death. Because he's giving you another chance, another chance, another chance. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. And that's an interesting statement to me because he doesn't tell us what those requirements are. Nowhere in this is there is requirements. So I went back to last week, and I got to looking at the stuff that he said to the church at Theotira, because he tells them, you have love, faith, service, and patient endurance, and those things are necessary. I think that's got to be at least the part of the list, right? These are the requirements that you're not meeting. Love, faith, service, patient endurance. This is part of it. Because why? Dead churches truly love. Not make people feel emotional, but they truly love. They love souls, and they love souls away from sin to uh, redemption and salvation. That's real love. Not making you feel all bubbly inside. That's, that's temporary. It's, it's, um, it's uh, different. It's relevant per different person. But true love puts people closer to Jesus Christ. Faith, true faith. God, you're God above everything. And if you say it, I believe it. If you say something crazy, God, like you created the planet in seven days and everything about it, I'm just going to be weird, naive, and I'm going to believe it. Because that's faith. We say, well, faith means, no, this is a crazy thing where people always try to associate faith with, um, these, these are little examples and stories. And they're not bad. They have, they have relevance, I guess. And when they say, well, faith is like a chair. You sit down in that chair, and you just know that it's going to hold you. That's faith. You're, you're describing believing in a transcendent God that created everything to the simplicity of sitting in a chair? My soul, my life, my existence isn't wrapped up in that chair and dependent upon that chair. And that's why that illustration is so good and popular in the modern American church because we really think it is that small and that illegitimate. Instead of my entire existence belongs to you, God, that's faith. 
My life is yours. My breath is yours. My brain is yours. My today, tomorrow, and, and yesterday is yours. My everything is yours. That's faith. Well, what about faith to be healed? That's a small little sliver of mindset in the middle of faith. And I, I, this is why I try to get us to think about healing all the time. I believe the, the main reason people don't get healed in America is because we've convinced our brains it doesn't happen. Not because God's changed, not because it takes a different kind of faith or, or bigger prayers or whatever. We have just convinced ourselves that it's not going to happen. And we've convinced ourselves of that so profoundly that we're more comfortable with that it doesn't happen than if it does. We just have convinced ourselves. And I'm not saying we're bad people. I'm saying that's just, we, we've been, it's been pushed in our, in our society, in our society so much. Think, think back in the 40s and 50s and even into the 60s, but specifically the 40s and 50s, all of the healing crusades. Study some of those things sometimes. All the healing crusades that happened all over the country. The, the, the places where the healing started happening, it just went crazy and everybody got healed all over the place. Why? Because it's easier to believe when everybody's believing. It's easier to believe when you're seeing it. We've convinced ourselves it doesn't happen, and so it's easier to not believe when you're not seeing it. That's a mindset. That's not a spiritual thing. That's not a Bible thing. That's a mindset. How do we change the mindset? You get in the Bible. And you let God's word that is living and active cut down into the middle of that stuff. Cut away the scar tissue that we call disbelief. Cut away the scar tissue that says, no, it's good. We got, we got this. I'm saying as a people, we got this. Why? Because we got medicine, we got hospitals, we got all kinds of stuff. We don't need all that stuff. He says, go back to what you heard and believed it first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. And there's no way the church can get where we're supposed to be. I'm saying right now in society, there's nowhere we can get, there's no way we can get to where we're supposed to be unless we do it through repentance. And I'm saying, I'm saying starting with us, because we can't control any other church. We can't control anybody else. Start with us and say, Lord, I repent. Of what? Anything. Anything that Satan is trying to creep into your world and your life with. Because anything he gets a little foothold in, he's going to use it to hinder you. He's going to use it to attack you. He's going to use it to, to uh, manipulate you and control you. That really, that really is the reason I believe right now that we are so susceptible to all the lies society is throwing at us. Because we have so much of society in control of us. The easiest ways to do that is through social medias, uh, all the different options out there, and um, TV and all those kind of things. We have so much of that stuff holding on to us and controlling us. Back in the day, I'm saying when I was a kid, teenager, and those kind of things, it was, it was amazing to me. Now, this was the time frame that um, what we would call Christian rock was becoming something. All right? I, I am old enough to predate Christian rock. All right? <laughs> so, um, and I remember in the day when Michael W. Smith, man, he was, he was cutting edge. He was everything. He was pushing all the envelopes, put, just playing a piano. That's, and then groups like Resband, most of you have never even heard that name. Resband came out and they were from Satan. And Petra soon followed. How dare, how dare Petra lead so many teenagers to Jesus. How dare they do that? 
You'd be amazed at how many people I knew got saved at Petra concerts. But either way, the church was attacking, attacking, attacking. Christian rock, Christian rock. It's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. Attacking. I heard it all the time. Sermons, all kinds of stuff. Christian rock. And it was amazing to me how many of these people listen to a tear in my beer because I'm crying over you, dear. I remember as a nine or ten-year-old, in fact, my, my mother's dead now, but I will say this. I had this conversation with my mom. I remember on the way to church one morning, she wanted to turn the top 20 countdown with Casey Kasem. And it was all country music. And I just said to her one time, Mom, you, you don't like my rock and roll, but what is that? This, this thing gets me. Guys, we are so plugged into the systems of the world that we don't even recognize that they're telling us stuff and infiltrating us with stuff and pushing stuff into our mind and our spirit, and we're just buying it up left and right. Whatever is out there, whatever anybody's saying, all the agendas, all the stuff. I, I, I said this a few weeks ago. You, you start a new series on Netflix, the first show or two will be okay. Show thir- the third... Uh, the third uh, episode, fourth episode, it's a guarantee. By the time you get to third episode, here's, here's what's changed. There is a major player character now in the show that was either already there or has been brought in that is now gay. Am I right? You now have some sort of nudity that you didn't have in episode one or two. And the language is now going through the roof. Now, why do you think, since we all know that's actually the way it works, why do you think it works that way? Because they'll pull you in enough to get you interested in the story, and now you'll listen to whatever agenda they'll try to feed you. And it's agenda-driven. Almost every one of these shows are agenda-driven. You're like, well, then I guess we just can't watch anything. Now, here's the thing. You ask yourself this question, because I, I did debate this in my spirit regularly. What's more important? Following the Spirit of God? or whatever can be offered to you out there. What's most important? Some of the idea of, of turning some particular social media that you're plugged into, turning it off, you, you almost couldn't do it. You almost couldn't do it. Whatever, whatever your social media platform you like the most, and for older people, it's Facebook. Whatever social media platform you like the most, turn it off for a month. Can you do it? Think about this. The teenagers did it. Didn't you guys do without Facebook for a whole month? Everything, right? You adults. You start getting withdrawals. Turn it off. Turn off the TV for a month. Turn off. I was about to name a country star, but I don't know one. Turn off your country star for a month. You can go without kicking your dog and cheating on your spouse for a month. Come on. <laughs> Guys, the system, the system is so strong within us. We, we, that's, that's why I believe we listen. We are so easily susceptible to believing the lies. Because the system is so much part of us. It's bled into everything. We have, a, we have the... Reputation for being alive, but we're dead. 
He says, if you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. That's, you don't want that. Wake up. He's not telling you he's going to do that. He's saying, wake up so I don't have to. Do you understand that's the whole point of the book of Revelation? Stop so I don't have to judge. Stop so I don't have to punish. Stop so I don't have to be the bad guy. Jesus didn't die on the cross so he could be the bad guy. We're forcing him to do this. and He doesn't want to. Now here's the reason I believe that the Spirit of God is still within this church. Verse 4, yet there are some in this church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy, and I don't even know how to verbalize that, but I want to be that guy. I believe that there are people all through churches in Colorado Springs, churches that are dead and have walked away from God so long ago, but I believe that there are people in those churches that have not soiled uh, their garments, and they're still white garments. And I believe that God has those people in those churches to be part of the repentance and the, and the wake-up movement. Be that person. Be that person right here. I think, it was, I think Jeff and I were talking about this this week, just the Spirit of God stuff. I teach on the gifts of the Spirit. I teach on the, the, the stuff regularly. Guys, we need this, and, we're, and we don't have it like we should. We don't have it. We need, we need more messages. We need more messages in tongues, interpretations. We, meet, we need more word of knowledge. We need more healings. We need all of this stuff. We're, I, have been, I have been holding back and holding back, but I so strongly want to start our, our prayer lines again on Sunday morning, our prayer partners. Because we need that. You need somebody praying for you. You need somebody laying their hands on you and praying for you. But here, here's the number one reason I haven't done it. This is literally the only reason I haven't done it. So you're going to be standing up here, prayer partners, and you're going to be facing the camera, and somebody in the community is going to watch you lay your hands on somebody else. That's the only reason I haven't done it. I don't have a problem with laying hands on somebody. I'll I'll sneeze right in Caleb's face right now just to prove it to you. (laughs) I'll do it. Because I ain't scared. Are you scared, Caleb? No, let's do it, man. <laughs> but but I don't, guys. There's a lot of there's a lot of mean people out there. There's a lot of I, because I talk to them. There's pastors that are scared to death right now. They are scared to death that somebody is going to walk in their church and 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 report them to the government. I'm not making this up. They're scared to death. I talk to them. And at some point, I can't pick on that. Because we have not been tried and tested as a people, as a church. And so they don't know. They're scared. I get that. I get that. I understand that part of the reason that I don't get scared by these things is my personality. I understand that. But, but I don't think that's it totally. I think I'm making decisions. That's the bigger issue. Because you make the decisions. Are we, are we going to be that person? I'm not, I, have, I have still have white garments. 
I've not been soiled by sin, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let sin overtake me. I'm not gonna. Yes, we're we're gonna sin. That's not what I'm saying. I understand we're not perfect people, but guys, there's a difference between oh, I made a mistake, Jesus, please forgive me, and I am involved in sin. Those are two different categories, and we've got too much. I am involved in sin mentalities throughout the church. Remember, I, I quoted this um, statistic about six months ago that the average person under 30 years old does not believe that sex outside of marriage has any uh, spiritual consequences whatsoever. I'm, I'm saying the statistic was from church people, not from the world, from church people under 30 years old. Somewhere we've derailed and we didn't even see it happen. Somewhere we've derailed. When do we say, okay, I'm not going to be that person. I'm going to, I'm going to, the next sentence, they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. How do you have white garments? The blood of Jesus. That's the only way. Covered with the blood of Jesus and walking in that direction. I have these white garments and I'm not going to compromise. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. Now this is showing us that as they live their life out for this, He says, I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. I I mention all the time around here, I don't believe in unconditional eternal security, but I believe in eternal security. I don't believe it's unconditional. In other words, you pray a prayer 30 years ago and somehow you get to heaven. There's no scriptural context for that. It doesn't exist at all. Tell me what prayer they prayed. Where did they get it in scripture? So, So there's no context for that. Here's what I do know. If you're pursuing Jesus Christ, you're in love with him, you're covered with the blood. He's never going to take your name out of his book. Why? You're covered with the blood. You love him. You're pursuing him. Not just going to church and throwing some money in the offering, and, but I'm saying you're pursuing him. You have a relationship with him. You're going after him. He's never going to write your name out of the book. You're pursuing him. You, you're in love with him. Why would he take your name out of the book? Well, I sinned. That's what, that's what grace is for. That's what the blood is for. But if you're pursuing him, you're good. You're good. And I don't believe in unconditional eternal security. I believe you fall out of love with Jesus and you walk away from him, he'll let you. That's the condition. The condition of your heart. You love him, you're good. You don't, you don't have a relationship with him. That's how simple it is. You love him, that's relationship. And he says, these people, the reason they're, they're clothed in white is because they're pursuing him. He says, anyone who e- has ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. As we always just kind of see that as a, hey, pay attention sentence, that sentence is becoming stronger in my spirit as I read down through this, this stuff in Revelation. If you have ears, you better be listening to the Spirit. Spiritual ears, you better be listening to the Spirit. That's the only hope you have in our near future. That is the only hope you have. It's not anything else. It's not your bank accounts, your job. It's not any of that stuff. It's if you have an ear, you better be listening to the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? You get close to Him. And you listen. As we've got to see that as a party. So I broke this into a few categories. The first one, wake up and repent. There's still time. There's still time. John 5, 25, I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, 
and those who listen will live. I, I've, I've thought about this. Now, he's obviously talking about dead and in the grave, but I, I think it's spiritually dead, too, would apply. And here's something interesting. We say, well, I, I don't, you know, I can't hear the Lord's voice. I, I struggle hearing the Lord's voice. Do you realize the dead even hear his voice? he got to be yelling pretty loud for the dead to hear it. Well, why aren't we hearing it? Because we got too many other inputs of volume to, to, that we can't hear his voice. Turn off all the other stuff and you'll hear him. But again, that's difficult. That's difficult. Push it to you again. Go a week. Go a week without any media. No TV. No phone stuff except just necessary phone calls. Try it. How many of you catch yourself? I catch myself doing this all the time. doesn't matter what I'm doing or where I'm doing. I'm reaching for my phone. I'm always reaching for my phone. doesn't matter what it is. I'm reaching for my phone. I'm sitting watching TV, and pretty soon I, I don't even have a clue what I'm watching on TV because I'm playing on my phone. I've even, and this is crazy talk here, I have even been playing on my phone while Linda's talking to me. I know all of you are like, I've never done that. He said, the father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his son. And we serve that son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the son of man. Don't, don't be so, so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own, I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just, because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. If Jesus can submit and subvert himself to God, and it's not Jesus' will, but God's will, can't we go down that road too? Jesus was perfect, and he was God in human flesh, and he still submitted himself. That should push us more to submission. John eleven twenty five. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? So here's the question I would have. Put your name in there. Do you believe this, Caleb? Put your name in there. Do you believe this? Because at the end of the day, your choices that you're making right now come from your belief system. The choices that you're making is because you're choosing. The, the, the idea, do you believe in Jesus? It's because you've chosen to believe in Jesus. I've had this argument before with people that are like, no, I, I don't believe in Jesus because I chose it. I believe it because he's the son of God. That's not, the, that's not a legitimate argument. How do you know he's the son of God? Because I know it. Because you're choosing to believe it. You don't know. I had this conversation with a, a seminary professor. The, the class was about the book of Acts, and the very first day he stood up and said, we're going to study all things the book of Acts, spiritual stuff, all these different kind of things. And he said, and it's been scientifically proven that speaking in tongues is gibberish created by human beings. And I had already promised Linda I was going to stay quiet during this class. <laughs> but you can't be pulling stuff out like that on the first day and me just go. So I raised my hand and he said, yes. This was like during his introduction. He's like, we don't use any questions now, but yes. And I said, it's been scientifically proven that salvation is a creation of humankind. It doesn't exist. Now he looks at me because I'm in a seminary class. I'm a pastor. 
looks at me like, why would you say something like that? And I said, my statement's just as valid as yours. You can't scientifically prove the things of God. You can scientifically prove the things he's created. You can scientifically prove that mentalities, laws of nature. But you cannot prove God. That's a choice. You're choosing it, I'm choosing it. You can't prove Jesus Christ um, resurrected. We know he was here, but you can't prove he was resurrected. Being here doesn't make him God. The resurrection is the supernatural. Even dying on the cross doesn't make him God. Dying on the cross without the resurrection means you just died. He was just a dude. You can't scientifically prove he resurrected. I think I can scripturally and common sense prove it, but you can't scientifically prove it. Because you're choosing to believe in Jesus because you're choosing to believe in Jesus. So choose to believe the stuff he says too. Not just him, but believe what he says, all of it. Don't take stuff out. Believe it all. Just, you just go there. Second part, there are some that are not soiled. Jude, verse 17. I said that in a class one time of Bible college students. I said, Jude, whatever. Usually Jude 3 is the scripture I'm talking about because it talks about the common salvation to all. I said, Jude 3. Three what? What? What do you mean what? Well, you gave us a chapter, you mean give us a verse. I gave you it all, bro. Get your Bible out. Okay. <laughs> Bible college student thinking they're chapters in Jude. Jude verse 17. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there were pure scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. Guys, don't be that person. Don't be that person. This is not about your desires. You say, well, what if my desires are not ungodly? They can still derail you. They're not bad within themselves, but make sure that your desires are not replacing the direction and the goal of Jesus Christ. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit in them. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Spirit. That's your only hope. Pray in the power of the Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. And this way you will keep yourself safe in God's love. This, this is, how do you keep yourself safe in today's society? You do it in the middle of Jesus' love. Pray in the Spirit. You must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. There are people around us right now that you need to show mercy to. They, they don't get it all. They're scared to death. Three different people I'm praying for right now, they're not people I know. They're people somebody else told me to pray for. That they're close to receiving the gospel or, or whatever, maybe not. But they're scared to death of what's going on in their life right now. They're scared of the virus. They're scared of the the protests or the riots. They're scared of the financial stuff, their business, family, whatever. Guys, your responsibility is to stand with them and help them not waver. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. How do you do that with the gospel? Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution. Hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Show mercy while you hate the sin. Mercy to the person, hate the sin. The last thing is Jesus is the king. 
Let me get back up to Jude to verse 14. Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. You say, well, this is way back in the time of Enoch, except Jude quotes it, so it must be for us today, too. It's got to be, right? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of darkness out there. Satan, Satan has never changed. He declared God, the war on God. That's what got him kicked out of heaven, and, he's, and that war is still waging. And you're, you're the battleground. Our minds, our spirit, our lives is the battleground. Let's be the people he's called us to be. Stand with us if you would. So again, looking at these churches, the, the common thread, I think you guys are seeing this, the common thread is that we repent. We, we get back to God. You say, well, I, I'm not doing bad stuff. I don't think that's always what repentance is about. Guys, repentance, repentance is about just drawing in close and saying, can I do something different, God? Is there something? That's the same, the same way in a marriage context. Don't you want to be a better husband or wife? Well, then shouldn't you ask your spouse what that might look like? Do you, do you like it when I do this? I've had conversations with married couples, been married 30 years, sit in my office, and they will say, one of them will say something, and the other will look at them and say, well, I didn't know you didn't like that. 30 years. Somebody's not talking. Talk to each other. Same way with God. How do we know what he wants to talk? That's what repentance is. Lord, I want to be closer to you. Forgive me. Just forgive me. Wash me clean and just pull me in close. Guys, that's where we need to be. And determine right now in your spirit, determine, I'm not going to be soiled by sin. I want white garments. Don't you want? I, I do. Don't you want white garments? Let's pray. Lord, we, we just come to before you and acknowledge that, Jesus, you're the king. Jesus, God has given you all authority. You're the king. Lord, we're going to stand before you someday. We're going to stand before you and, and recognize that even the understanding we have now of you being the king is so tiny, limited, and small, that you're the transcendent king. God, we recognize that. That you're the all-consuming one. So Jesus, as we, as we try to draw closer right now through your blood to God, as we try to do that, Holy Spirit, I believe that you convict us. I, I believe that's what you do. And so, Lord, we ask you to forgive us. Forgive us when we're buying into all the stuff that Satan is throwing at us. Forgive us. In Jesus' name. God, I pray that we will be a church of repentance. That we'll walk in repentance. We'll walk in that that deeper level of relationship. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. 
Lord, help them to pursue a relationship with you. Not a religion about you, but a relationship with you. Not a list of rules or guidelines that have been set down by some person, but a relationship with you. Jesus, that we will pursue you. You're the groom. We're the bride-to-be. Lord, help us to pursue you as the groom. In the name of Jesus. Lord, help us to be alive. I pray that so much for us as a body, as a group. Help us to be alive. We don't want to be known for being the cool church and to be completely dead. Lord, help us to be alive. Help us to be alive in your spirit and in your word. Help us to walk in your spirit, walk in your power. God, soften our heart for lost people. Help us to walk in love toward others, toward their soul, or to walk in love for their soul. Jesus, I pray that every one of us here this week, every one of us here, that, you're, that you will give us an opportunity to connect somebody with you. I pray that just a, a blanket across all of us, that you will give us the opportunity this week to talk to one person about you. God, get our eyes open, get our spirit ready, and help us to, to, to be available to them and to truly love their soul. Give us the chance. Give us the opportunity. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I was told that I forgot. I was told that I forgot. Um, Diane Hajak has a kidney stone. And uh, all kidney stone sufferers, our heart goes out to her. Right? So let's pray for her. God, we lift Diane up to you. Lord, we know she's in pain right now. This is, this is huge. God, take the pain away. Take the pain away. Pain that cannot be touched by morphine, God, you can still take it away. God, I ask you to, to, to just take, take the stone away too, Lord. That's easy for you. Take the stone away, get it out of there, and uh, heal her in the name of Jesus. We believe it. We believe it right now as we pray that you're healing her and taking the pain away in the name of Jesus. Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Take the chance. Take the chance, and God will honor it. Jeff?
That's good. Where is that? The Bible? Did you close it? Oh, do you know where it is? Oh, Luke 6, 22. Uh, how many of you read that this afternoon? Go home, read Luke 6. Read the whole thing. It won't hurt you. Um, that's, that's, that's a great where we are right now. That's great. Shake somebody's hand. Hug their neck. Tell them you are glad that you, they're here. And uh, we will see you if you want to be part of the kids thing Wednesday night. Never once.